the kingdom of Israel splits in two as God's judgment upon Solomon finds fulfillment in the life of his son. On The Bible Brief. Our goal is to get 100 new monthly supporters before the end of 2023. Will you be one of the 100? Give today at BibleLit.org. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord. Therefore Yahweh said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son, for the sake of David my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. From 1 Kings chapter 11 Jeroboam was one of Solomon's best. He was a young man, able-bodied and able-minded for the construction that continued in Jerusalem and through the rest of Israel. Jeroboam was from the tribe of Ephraim in the northern part of Israel's tribal territories and he'd come to Jerusalem to serve the king in his construction endeavors after the temple and the king's house were completed. The trade happening through Israel required the upkeep of existing buildings and construction of new infrastructure throughout the country to facilitate these transactions. Further, Solomon was able to finance these projects through tariffs and taxes levied on goods that flowed through the country. As Israel was enriched, Israel was built up. And this is where Jeroboam was useful to Solomon. Jeroboam had come to Jerusalem to help with these projects, and the young man impressed the king. He was industrious and a good manager, good enough that Solomon decided to promote him to an even greater task. Jeroboam would return to his tribal territory, and he would be in charge of the labor force of both his own tribe of Ephraim and its brother tribe Manasseh. These tribes came from the two sons of the patriarch Joseph, the two sons who had been formerly adopted by Jacob, Israel, himself. Jeroboam would be in charge of this vast labor force, and Solomon was sending him to continue these infrastructure projects in the northern part of the country. So based on the king's charge, Jeroboam leaves Jerusalem, headed for his new responsibilities over the two tribes. Little did Jeroboam know that God's hand was in this. Jeroboam, would be God's tool to tear apart the kingdom of Israel. Solomon had disobeyed God's commands, and the whole kingdom would suffer for it. We read this in 1 Kings chapter 11, starting in verse 29. At that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him on the road. Now the prophet had dressed himself in a new garment, and the two of them were alone in the open country. Then Ahijah laid hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into twelve pieces. He said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and will give you ten tribes, because they have forsaken me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, 
Chemosh, the god of Moab, and Milcom, the god of the Ammonites. And they have not walked in my ways, doing what is right in my sight, and keeping my statutes and my rules, as David his father did. The prophet Ahijah makes an announcement that must have shocked Jeroboam. God was doing what? He was going to divide the kingdom? And Jeroboam would be king over ten of the twelve tribes? You can imagine perhaps a measure of disbelief from this young man hearing the prophet. But don't miss what else Ahijah says. He says that it wasn't just Solomon's disobedience. He says, They have forsaken me and worshipped other gods. They have not walked in my ways. There's a sense in which Ahijah says that Solomon is perhaps the prime example of something happening all over Israel. Apparently, in the midst of all this wealth and prosperity, Solomon wasn't the only one who had turned away from God, but many of the people had as well. The kingdom would split, not just due to kingly disobedience, but national disobedience as well. The prophet continues, Nevertheless, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make Solomon ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David my servant whom I chose, who kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of Solomon's son's hand, and will give it to you, ten tribes. Yet to Solomon's son I will give one tribe, that David my servant may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen to put my name. And I will take you, Jeroboam, and you shall reign over all that your soul desires, and you shall be king over Israel." And if you listen to all that I command you and will walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, I will be with you and will build you a sure house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. And I will afflict the offspring of David because of this, but not forever. The prophet Ahijah lets Jeroboam know that despite God's plan to divide the kingdom of Israel, He will not do it during Solomon's life. As soon as Solomon dies, however, God will act. Jeroboam will get ten tribes, while Solomon's son will be left with only one. Despite God's judgment upon Solomon and the nation for its disobedience, God is still good for his promises. He made covenant promises to David of a dynasty, a throne, and an everlasting king. And those would come to pass. God retains a tribe for Solomon's son for just this reason. He's faithful to his promises. Soon we find out that Solomon heard the news of what Ahijah had told Jeroboam. And Solomon, for his part, attempts to preemptively snuff out the life of Jeroboam. The young man, however, flees to Egypt and stays there until the death of Solomon. Solomon dies after 40 years on the throne having a legacy of wisdom, wealth, and prosperity. Yet in the end, disobedience with devastating consequences. Solomon is succeeded by his son Rehoboam, who immediately attempts to consolidate his rule over the tribes at the city of Shechem in the north. Apparently, he understood the tenuous grasp he would have on the kingdom given the prophecy of Ahijah. But all the way in Egypt, his inevitable nemesis heard about his father's death as well. And Jeroboam came to Shechem too. What was supposed to be Rehoboam's ascension to his father's throne became a showdown instead. Jeroboam says to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke, our labor, heavy. 
Now therefore, lighten the hard service of your father, and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. Rehoboam said to them, Go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. Jeroboam, as spokesman for most of Israel, essentially gives an ultimatum to King Rehoboam. He says, Lighten our labor and we'll be loyal, but don't lighten our labor and see what happens. The king, probably surprised by this boldness, says that he needs three days to think it over and to seek advice. So over the next three days, Rehoboam gets advice from two groups. The elder advisors of his father, who say that he should indeed lighten the workload of the tribes, and his younger peers, who say that he should demand even more labor from the tribes. The three days pass, and we read this in 1 Kings chapter 12, starting in verse 12. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, as the king said. And the king answered the people harshly, and forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him, he spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs, brought about by the Lord, that he might fulfill his word, which he had spoken by Ahijah to Jeroboam. Apparently, God does some action in Rehoboam's heart to make him extra resistant to the advice of the old men. Something probably akin to the hardening of Pharaoh's heart during the Exodus. And in so doing, God assures that his judgment on Solomon and on the nation will come to pass. Immediately, the northern tribes reject Solomon's son in favor of their spokesman Jeroboam. They reject David's dynasty as having any more power over them. We read this. When all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was taskmaster over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. And when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. It's difficult to imagine the immediate change in the nation upon the death of Solomon. The people had enjoyed prosperity, unity, and blessing through his rule. But upon his death, the same people suffer a split that will last for centuries. Constant civil war that will put tribe against tribe. Two kings ruling on competing thrones external treachery and intrigue from competing nations. Prosperity will turn to poverty. Brotherhood will turn to bloodshed. And exultation will turn to exile. Join us next time as the Northern King sets up a new feast, a new priesthood, and new idols to worship. Israel is about to go from bad to worse. 
The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023